This time I would like to welcome to the pulpit uh, our very own uh, Dan Faber, we can say, one of our former pastors here at Knollwood and missionary extraordinaire, and we'd like to welcome him to our stage and bring us the word, brother. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Thank you. It's a blessing to be back at Knollwood to see so many faces that uh, we have known through the years and and uh, some of you that we have worked with and and done ministry with for for so long. What a blessing it is to to be back and and uh, especially to to see how God is continuing to bless this church and and use it mightily. Uh, we're going to turn in our Bibles and look at three passages uh, quickly. If you would uh, turn first of all to uh, to Luke four. 42. We're looking at the, the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus has been going through the countryside of Capernaum, and it says that the people were amazed at his teaching and his message, and that he had authority. And then there was a, a demon-possessed man in the synagogue, and he... Uh, he says in verse 34, Ha, what do, uh, what do you want uh, with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, Be quiet. Come out of him. And then all the people were amazed, it says in 36. And he said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Now, he ends up going into the synagogue, and Dale and I were fortunate enough to go to Israel uh, about five years ago, and the foundation of that synagogue is still there. And uh, they've excavated down, and when Jesus left the synagogue, he went to Peter's uh, mother-in-law's house where she was sick, and that house is right next to the synagogue and that that uh, excavation with a, a building over it to uh, protect the uh, the excavation is there so it was so amazing to to be there and to see uh, uh, that very place and so as soon as Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law she gets right up and serves him isn't that interesting that that's uh, that's amazing and and then it says that that Jesus was healing all these people all over the countryside and of all their sicknesses. And, and uh, moreover, demons came out and many people shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because uh, they knew he was the Christ. Now picking up at verse 42 of Luke 4. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. We'll talk about that tonight. Um, The people were trying to keep them from leaving him, uh, leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other cities, other towns also, because this is why I was sent. I must preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God to other cities also, for this is why I was sent. And then turn with me to John 10, 16. 
This is the discourse, uh, uh, as we know it, uh, of the shepherd and the sheep. And Jesus says in verse 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his, his life for the sheep. And then in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and they know me. And he says, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then he says this, which sometimes we skip over. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen or sheepfold. I must bring them also. I have other sheep that are not here in the household of Israel. Let's turn then to Matthew 24. Jesus, in this discourse of the end of the age, he, he picks up in verse 14, Matthew 24, 14. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's far the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Lord, our Father, we are so blessed to be a part of, of your great Uh, kingdom enterprise throughout all the ages and even to this day. Father, we thank you that you have called even people like ourselves to be a part of that kingdom and to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to other people all over the world. Bless us as we hear your word today in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as you look at the at the scriptures, we you know oftentimes think of of uh, the scriptures as being uh, mostly about uh, the Jews and the Greeks and the Corinthians and the Ephesians and so forth, and and yet we find in the, some of the texts that we read today that that we're in those texts too. He's speaking about us in the future, uh, as we read in John 10. He says, "Other sheep, that's me, that's you." He says, there's other sheep I have that are not of this fold, and I must bring them. Uh, He says, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And then, as we read also, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to other cities also, for this is why I was sent. Jesus knows with certainty why he was sent into this world, and so he is giving us the same Uh, concept of what our calling is, why we were sent. Last night when we were here uh, to begin the conference, we read from Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. And over and over again, he reminds the the hearer, uh, us, as he prays to the Father, he says that the Father sent me, just as the Father sent me, and the world will know why the Father sent me and that I have been sent, and so have they. They will be sent. They're sent uh, with the truth of the word. And so there's this great uh, sense of of knowing exactly who he is, our Savior. In everything that he did, he knew why he was here. Uh, The people, as, as we'll talk about tonight, they they had all kinds of ideas of what they wanted uh, Jesus to do. They wanted him to heal more people. They wanted him to cast out more demons. Hey, this is a great deal. Look at this. Uh, and he says, no. Yes, there's probably value in all of that. 
but this is why I was sent. And so he, he left them and went and did uh, what he was called to do. And so we see that throughout history, God declared that he would reach all peoples and all nations, that it was his intent that others would believe. Uh, we read in Genesis 12, he says, in you, giving the promise to Abraham, all the families of the world will be blessed. And then in Isaiah 66, he says, for I know their works and their thoughts. The time is coming to gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. They will come. They will do it. They shall do it. They will come, all nations, all tongues. And so we see here that the, the church's um, mission it's, is global. It's not just here within these four walls. It's not just here in, in our community in Silicaga. It is a global enterprise. And so we find Jesus using, uh, and the scripture using over and over again, uh, phrases that are geographic as, as well as ethnic. And so he says, in the whole world, and that reverse, uh, refers to places, locations, uh, all around the world. And then he goes on to say uh, that uh, not only uh, the whole world, but as a testimony to all nations, and which is not political nations like Mexico or the United States, but, but it's cultural communities and, and groups of um, people that, that have a common language or a common religion. And um, that's why, you know, you hear of, uh, of the Uyghurs in, in Western China. Well, they're not, they're not just Chinese. They're uh, uh, Tajikistan and Kazakhstan. They're all over. Uh, that part uh, of the Middle East. And the same thing uh, with the Kurds. You know, they crossed uh, boundaries into Turkey and into Syria and into Iraq. And so these ethnic groups, uh, the Bible says, they will come to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And so the Old Testament and Jesus is saying that God's offer of salvation is to be presented to every tongue, every tribe, and every nation, not just to the chosen of Israel. And so other sheep I have, I must bring them also. All that the Father has given me will come to me. That's what God is saying to us. And so the gospel must be preached to all nations because God demands the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ to be lifted up to heaven in every place around the world and in every culture. Now, if that is true, then we know that God sends us. Uh, the disciples didn't just come up with a, a few Old Testament references and then they get a, they got a great commission or two there and they say, hey, let's start world missions. Uh, no, throughout scripture, we have passage after passage of God telling us that that was his plan from eternity past to eternity future, that he was reconciling the world to himself. And this is his plan. I must preach the gospel to all of these cities. And so uh, a lot of times we in the church and in missions, you know, we get into all these, these great enterprises and we have these strategic plans and, and we're, we're focusing on this group or this problem or, you know, we're, we, we, we get all technical. And when we look back at, at the scriptures, we see that God says, my kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. These are all declarations. 
It's not like, I hope they'll come. Maybe it'll come. We ought to try to see if it'll come. He says, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the way it's going to be. And so in him and through him and by the Spirit's power and his leading, we engage in this divine redemptive uh, enterprise of going into all the world in different ways, uh, just like the Lacy's were talking about, using uh, agriculture uh, as a way to get into a culture. As I was sharing in Sunday school, uh, I got to China and they wanted us to teach English at a university. And I said, bingo, that's my, that's my ticket into China. That's what I'll be. I'll, I'll wave the flag of, of education and, and uh, that's how I'm going to train pastors is I'm going to I'm going to have a team over here teaching English on the university. I'm going to be over here uh, working with pastors. Uh, And so we see that God is using all different uh, people and manner. Uh, Paul was a tent maker. Uh, Matter of fact, if you look at missions today and or if you look in the past, the way that a lot of us have known it, you can basically forget it. Most of the things that have worked in the past will not work in the future world. Things have changed so dramatically. You know that. It wasn't just COVID. It wasn't just politics. That is everything. The whole world is changing. And even countries, uh, even like Great Britain, it's very difficult for a missionary to get into Great Britain. You have to be a tent maker. You have to have a job that a person from Britain uh, is not doing or cannot do to be able to be allowed to be there uh, as a missionary, and the same thing in India. And, and the way that they're uh, getting rid of our missionaries is in India, if you do not have a, an employment that they approve of, then they charge you 70% of your stateside or can, Canadian or whatever it is uh, income uh, in taxes. So not only are you paying taxes here, but then you pay taxes there as well. And so uh, the world is changing dramatically and missions has to change dramatically. And so we see that, that uh, the, uh, the way that the Apostle Paul and, and so many of the disciples went out, they went out earning their keep. They, they, were, computer, they were computer technologists, but, but that's how we, we send people. We send people in agriculture and, and, uh, and many, you know, every other field there is. Um, we have pilots and we have a guy that uh, he would buy and sell uh, aircraft, used aircraft around the world. And then he sold them uh, in the Middle East and in China. And that was how he got into all the forbidden areas of, of, uh, of the Middle East and China was because they, they needed aircraft. And so they let him come. And so he was the advocate. He was the one who worked with all of, uh, all of the national pastors. So here we see that as, as the scripture says in Matthew, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. And it may be in different ways as a testimony to the nations and then the end will come. And Jesus says, this is why I was sent. This is the purpose of the heavenly father in having me come to this world, not just to die on the cross, but that this message of the gospel would be sent to all of them. And so I ask you this morning, you know, do you know why you were sent? Do you know why, who you are? Do you know what your calling is? Even if your calling is, is uh, uh, in, in some 
whatever capacity, uh, like David was telling us about his advocacy with, uh, with the farmers. And uh, you have a mission. You have a calling. You have people that you can reach. Uh, or Aaron at the gym, you know, or, or the PT, you know, uh, talking to people. It's, it's, you have a calling, and God has placed you and given you gifts uh, so that you can do his bidding, his calling, wherever you are. Uh, and you may be sent somewhere else, but you may be right where you are, and we'll talk about that tonight. Um, also, we, we need to realize that when you're sent, there's cost. There's cost to, to going. And Jesus said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Uh, the scriptures uh, have many references. Paul says uh, in Acts 14, he says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. He's not saying, if you become a Christian, everything's going to be fun and jolly, and, and you're going to have perfect health, and, and you're going to get the perfect job and have the perfect family, and your kids will never turn away from you. And, and everything's going to be wonderful. But through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. There are costs. Jesus said in, in Luke 9, he says that uh, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Uh, and further on in that passage, he says, no man putting his hand to the plow and turning back is worthy of the kingdom of God. You, you put your, your hand to that plow and you turn back, your rows are going to you know, start doing that. And uh, you're going to mess up, and, 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 and he says, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. I know that verse because uh, when I went before Presbytery as a young man, the, um, the guy who, who uh, charged me, he used that passage. Uh, no man, having put his hand to the plow and turning back, is worthy of the kingdom of God. And so you count the cost, and you take up your cross, and you don't turn back, and you press on. <clears throat> And when you do that, you realize that there's going to be risk. There's a lot of risk in life, and there's a lot of risk in the gospel. John Piper, he has a great quote. He says, if our all-embracing passion is for Christ, and the life that magnifies him most is sacrificial, costly love, then life is a risk. To run from it is to waste your life. So if, if, if your passion is for Christ and you're living a life for Christ, then you gotta realize that that life will have its risk. And if you run from those risks, you're wasting your life. And so many of us are so afraid of wasting our life that we do that very thing. <laughs> we run from it and we lose our life. As Jesus says, he who tries to save his life will lose it. Uh, and, and, and we say to ourselves, but, but what if I, what if I lose my money or what if I, you know, I don't get that seniority or, or that position or, or what if they pass over me and, and, uh, and you know, I don't, I don't achieve everything that my other friends in school did and, and have the same kind of house and cars and everything. Uh, Piper said that risk is woven into the fabric of our finite lives. Risk is inevitable and we don't know how things will turn out. And so we've got to take those risks. And so he said, we must explode the myth of safety. You know, it's, it's kind of like the person 
who goes out and buys every insurance policy that was ever invented, and they do have them for everything. And they say, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to save myself. I'm going to cover myself so nothing ever uh, can affect me. You can't do that. Life is, is unpredictable. Um, and so security is a mirage. It doesn't exist. Um, when I went to China the first time, I, I met, I told you about Mo Wong. Um, I met him on the first trip, and now he's, he went from a pagan, now he's a seminary professor. Um, but in his uh, dorm room, now, most of, those of you that lived in a dorm uh, probably lived by yourself, or maybe you had a roommate. Well, the same size room that you probably had, there were eight of these Chinese guys in. And one of the other guys' name was Duncan. And Duncan uh, became a believer uh, soon after, I can't remember what year it was, uh, we went there in 96, and so somewhere around 97, 98, um, he was a believer, and he was sharing with people, he was heading back to his home, and it was a 12-hour train ride in China. Can you imagine? It was brutal. And, um, and, and he was sharing his faith with people on the train, and somebody came by and said, they're going to get you. They know that uh, people have been telling the uh, train police that, that somebody is talking about religion on the train and they're looking for you. And so Duncan got up and he went from car to car to car to car to, and finally ends up at the very back of the train and can't go any further. He grabs up a newspaper, puts it over his head and he leans back in the chair hoping that they'll think that he's asleep. And while he's in the dark of this newspaper over his head, it comes to him, he says in his Chinglish, no risk, no glad. <laughs> he says, you know, you don't take a risk for the gospel, you're not going to feel the glory, you're not going to see God's blessing. And he got up and he went back to sharing his faith on that train. And that was so powerful to me. He wrote it uh, to several of us in an email and we were blown away. And it became the motto of, of my organization, IXO, no risk, no glad. And uh, and people go, what, what's that? You know, it's weird. Um, but, um, and, and Duncan to this day, uh, he became, he, he had a great ability with business and, and started several companies and uh, became very wealthy. And uh, he taught Sunday school and he, he had a passion for the young people. And uh, every time that I visited him, uh, God was using him in, in great ways. No risk, no glad, but life Life has its risk, and to run from those risks uh, is to, to lose the blessing that God has, has given us. Uh, Joab, in 2 Samuel uh, 10, he uh, is surrounded by the Amalekites and, and the Syrians, and he had to either risk or run. And, and this is what he says uh, when faced with the enemy all around him. He says, be of good courage, let us be courageous for the people, and then he says, and may, and may the Lord do what seems good to him. I'm here. This is what God called me to do. I'm in the midst of this. This battle is heavily uh, weighted against me. Let the Lord do what seems good to him. I trust my heart, my heart, my soul to him. And then we know some of you love uh, uh, romantic novels. Have you read uh, the book of Esther lately? Do it. You can, you can do it this afternoon in a, in a setting. It, it's better than Hallmark. And, um, but anyway, read, read the book of Esther. And well, Esther is the beautiful, gorgeous queen. She's uh, Israelite, but she's the queen, uh, the Persian king. 
and and her her people are going to be annihilated. They're going to be exterminated. This new law came into effect. And so she has to go before the king, which is not allowed to do. You, you get your head cut off if you go before the king and he's not uh, bid you. And so she concludes, I will go. If I perish, I perish. What an incredible resolve. It's a classic phrase of faith. But how did she get there? Well, her uncle Mordecai, he... He comes to her and says, you're, you're the one. You've got to go before the king. And she says, how can I do that? And, and she gets all of her servants to pray. And, and uh, he says, who knows whether you were born for such a time as this? Who knows if any one of you was born for such a time as God's going to use you in his kingdom with that one person, with that one project, with that one uh, word of advice or saying or, or standing firm. And then, and then Mordecai, he says, uh, he says, don't think that you will, th- well, I say, don't think that you'll thwart God's kingdom. Uh, he says, for if you remain completely silent, he's talking to Esther, he says, at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. God will raise up somebody else in your place and you'll be left behind. He'll take the mantle off of you and give it to somebody else. If you do not stand up and you miss this blessing, Jack Chin Chin says, move out or miss out. Um, Jesus said that if the gospel is not preached, the very rocks will cry out. And so don't tell God that you feel called to... Uh, you know, to be here. I'm not called to missions. I'm called to be here. Then if you are, then do it. Then, then be a part of uh, the care house. Uh, George Perkins and I, we worked, uh, he worked for the, the Red Cross. And we used to go to the jails and, and minister together. And so First Pres had this extra house that they were going to donate to the purpose of all the projects that that, uh, George was doing at the Red Cross. And we had food coming in and all this stuff. And so we had this meeting and they're saying, let's call it the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they had this long acronym, you know, that who knows what it meant. And And I said, why don't you just call it Care House? And so George and I, we named that. So you, this week when you go to Care House, just know that we were there when it started and we named it. But anyway, you could be at Care House. Maybe God has called you to be at Care House uh, or to, to be involved in, in Vapor or to be involved in any of the, uh, the ministries that are involved uh, here in this church, uh, in this community. Don't tell God that you have a mission here and then don't do it. Don't tell God that, that you believe that your calling is here but you don't even fill out a faith promise. You know, faith promise is such a, a wonderful way to exercise your faith, to say, God, not with all the, the resources I have, but I'm trusting you to, to provide this uh, for, for your kingdom this year. And I'm going to be excited to see how, how you are going to bless me to be able to bless others. And, and you're going to bring in uh, money. I mean, one time I was in Home Depot, and a rack of stuff fell on me and it, it busted my hand. And, uh, and so, you know, I got over it. Well, Home Depot, ooh, you got to sign a, a thing, you know, and, and uh, we're sending you $500 
And, and I'm going, you don't have to send me $500, I'm okay. And they're going, no, no, you gotta sign this thing, to, this waiver and everything. And I said, you know what? God gave me that. that. And so that was part of my faith promise that year. God can use you even when Home Depot messes with you. Advancing the cause of Christ is worth your life. And whatever he calls you to do is worthy of you striving in his kingdom uh, to work for him in whatever way he's calling you to do. And you need to ask yourself, uh, either here in this place, on the other side of the street or the other side of the world, God, what are you calling me to do? Why have I been sent? The Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly what his mission was, and he did not stray from it. He did not let people pull him one way or the other. Lord, keep me straight and keep me focused on your kingdom and your calling, and let me know why I have been sent. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for Norwood. I thank you for the faithfulness that they've had through the years and ask that you give them uh, a renewed uh, sense of your calling on their lives and this church's life. I thank you for sending Dale and I uh, into uh, to Mexico uh, back in the 80s. I thank you, Father, that you have raised up uh, people here that love you and are, are active, involved in loving your kingdom right here in Silicaga, Alabama. Now bless us, Father, as we continue to worship you and as as we uh, call for more laborers to be in your harvest. In Christ's name, amen.